A lot going on in federal politics, that's for sure. Mandates ending today. Vaccine, travel-oriented mandates, masking uh, coming to an end, we found out. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith is Liberal MP for Beaches East York. He's been one of a few MPs that has been honest and forthcoming about how he feels about the mandates. I think the delay for him was frustrating. He'd hoped they'd ended sooner. And we discuss that and a few other things, including a look at what cannabis legislation has meant for the Trudeau government and the liberals here in our country and what it means in our streets and our communities as well. We get into that topic also. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith on Toronto Today. Uh, a lot of balls in the air. You were probably like me, Nathaniel, waking up Saturday morning and uh, in anticipation and, to be honest, a little nervous in checking out television coverage of what our friends in Atlanta, Canada were dealing with. Yeah, we, we have an incredible Atlantic caucus. And I not only followed on the news, but also just following my colleagues on social media showing up and the devastation out there. And, you know, as Canadians, we've got to step up for our friends and neighbors in other parts of the country when they're in need. And I think this is one case that's been documented already. Prime Minister Trudeau has uh, sent members of the military into each of the affected provinces. Um, they'll, you know, uh, divide uh, their their services there in terms of assistance. And I think all Canadians from, you know, from the prairies to B.C. to right here in Ontario and, and Quebec will uh, will be ready to engage in terms of helping. But it's just some of it is we, we can send money, we can provide funding, but just getting the infrastructure, like I was saying, back up and running, even before the winter is going to be difficult. It is. And it's ultimately a situation where we at the federal level need to just listen and engage with provincial and municipal uh, colleagues and counterparts and then make sure we provide any and all support that they're asking for. There have been some uh, now out you were out meeting in uh, in the Maritimes and, and discussing affordability measures. Some of those are going to be in 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 terms of the joint plan that that the liberals and NDP were working on in terms of dental care. It's the first of its kind. It's very groundbreaking. Um, and there's other issues as well with with GST rebates. Um, th- this looks like something that I think Canadians are going to be appreciative of heading in what may be uh, maybe recessionary times even throughout this fall and this winter. We heard loud and clear, certainly I did here in the East End of Toronto, about uh, frustration with the increasing cost of living. We especially hear it from seniors, but but frankly hear it from everyone. And some people were going to see relief already. You know, there were already announced increases to the you know the working uh, the Canada workers benefit for working in low income uh, working Canadians there were also previously announced measures obviously for a 25% reduction in childcare fees for the number of families that have kids of of that age and and in daycares but still not enough support and so the there's an obviously a working agreement with the NDP and so we had pushed for some measures they had pushed for some measures and we worked together to make sure that we're going to see a doubling of the GST tax credit for low and middle income households. And, and we're going to see ultimately the beginnings of a, a dental cl- dental care plan, but focused for low and middle income Canadians. So this is for families with $90,000 in income or less. And it's going to roll out starting with funding uh, to cover kids under 12, and then it's going to expand from there. And so this is a, a multi-year project, but we're going to see some affordability measures come in place 
sooner than later for families of kids under 12. I think there has to be some pride with the idea that it's the first of its kind um, and uh, to, to have a national dental care, dental care program. I think people have pointed out that dental care is health care. If you've got you know a pain in your knee, if you've got a, a sports injury of some sort, um, that can be no more or less painful than the need for a root canal, the need to extract a tooth. Uh, when, no matter what age you are, let alone um, your, your income level shouldn't matter if you're in that much pain. It's, I think, also a broader conversation about when we talk about healthcare, and you and I have talked about healthcare mm-hmm. on a number of occasions, but I just talked to Adil Shamji, a emergency, former emergency room doc and now liberal MPP for Don Valley East, and mm-hmm. he was talking about how all policy is health policy, and dental care is absolutely a core element, should be a core element of healthcare. Affordable prescription drugs should be a, 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 an absolutely essential element of our healthcare system. But when we take even a broader look at the social determinants of health, and this is where the affordability crunch is, is something we, we really ought to be concerned about, that the single greatest driver when we think of the social determinants of health is income. And so we need to make sure that we are addressing poverty as a matter of healthcare and addressing affordability as a matter of healthcare. Nate Erskine Smith, our guest on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. You've been a leader in your caucus when it comes to talking about uh, issues of of the regulating cannabis. Right now, we're seeing that your government's going to, you know, really take a, a longer, deeper dive into what's working and what's not. Um, th- there's no doubt that there's there were a lot of you know conflicting opinions about it um, when the federal government said, well, Justin Trudeau in, in his initial campaign for prime minister said, we're going to have more broad conversations. But that's, to, to, to be honest, that was being ahead of the curve. And now you're seeing a lot of states do this. You're seeing a lot of European countries do this that had done it before. What are some of the things you'd like to find out? What are some of the things you're hoping the panel gives you definitive data on? Well, first, I think it's important to note Cannabis legalization and regulation has been successful. Everyone on the conservative side of the aisle, at least, told us that the sky was going to fall. The sky certainly didn't fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been a success, but it's been, I think, a modest success in some ways because we were one of the first movers in the world. And as a result, we we move forward in, I would say, a a more tentative way than some of the states that that you mentioned and some of the other jurisdictions that are now well down the road. And so just as other states are doing this, Alaska just the other day announced a review of their own rules and to say, how do we better support the industry? In in the Canadian context, we've now got a review where we can take a step back and say, what are the overarching goals of legalization regulation? Well, one of the main goals was to undercut the illicit market. And legalization has, in fits and starts, succeeded in doing so but not done enough in doing so. And so we've got to make sure we are supporting industry in a a more serious way to undercut that illicit marketplace to ensure that we have a a better regulated marketplace because the gray and black markets are entirely unregulated and, and we need to continue to address that. I think I think two things about what what you said um, in in my community anyway. I think the the idea that we're having a mature conversation about people who choose to use cannabis. If, if you're over twenty five, I'd even say if you're over twenty one, that's one conversation that we've normalized somewhat. I would say that many people are worried about younger children feeling it's a normal behavior or they have greater access to it, and and especially once they get into high school, I think. I think this about the difference between um, cannabis and alcohol is not many kids are going to wake up and be drinking necessarily in the morning. Kids might go to a party. They'll learn what they can handle. They'll learn what they can't. That's sort of a rite of passage. But I think parents worry about cannabis becoming something where kids are waking up, 
partaking and then going to school. And and it doesn't have that sort of after effect that an alcohol hangover has. But these are the conversations that I hear in my community that parents are worried about is access and normalization. Is there anything we could find out about that in the studies over the last three years? I, I, absolutely. And that is going to be a core element of the review as well as looking at the impact of young people and how we better serve young people. I'm of two minds on this, Greg. I mean, on the one hand, as a parent, I continue to worry more about alcohol, given mm-hmm. the permissive advertising that we see around alcohol in our society. And I, and I continue when I think when I go into high schools, when I talk to young people, alcohol is still the substance that uh, young people turn to increasing, you know, over over other substances as far as it goes. Uh, at the same time, I do think when we look at education and I, and I think this is a really important element of okay. having a regulated marketplace, it was it's very easy in schools to talk about alcohol to talk about cigarettes and it hasn't been as easy to talk about responsible use responsibility in respect of cannabis because it it was an illegal substance well now that it is a regulated substance there is a natural conversation we have about what responsible use is what the age of responsible use is and what the regularity of responsible use would be that's interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely want to have more time next time we talk to to follow up on that. Um, there's an you know this. There's an eight thirty announcement today uh, from a few different ministers, including Marco Mendicino, including Omar Al Gabra, about travel mandates. Something you and I have uh, have discussed before. Uh, travel mandates, whether or not masks will be required on uh, on via rail on domestic Canadian flights. Um, I, how do you how do you view what's going to be announced, and what do you think this does to help us get back to that sense of normal? Help our tourism industry. There's a lot of people, to be honest, quite excited for this announcement a half hour from now. I think they should be, and it has been a, a bit frustrating, fairly, to see how slow this decision making process has uh, has been going mm-hmm. on for. But uh, we are at a point now where finally we are going to see us getting back to a greater sense of normalcy, as you put it. And we're not going to have the isolation periods. We're not going to have the random testing. And we're going to get to a place where we we will be able to travel more freely. And the Arrive Can app is going to, there will be changes there too. I, I will say on a personal mm-hmm. note, I actually quite like the idea of a digital tool that speeds travel up. And so for air travel, I as a as a traveler, will want to see a tool like that continue on an optional basis so I can speed through CBSA checkpoints in, in, a, in a faster way. But it should be optional. It should respect that not everyone has the technolo- technological capabilities, especially our, some seniors. And, and so I, I hope we get to a place where a digital tool like that becomes a complementary tool in the arsenal of, of efficient air travel. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, Liberal MP for Beaches East York. Always enjoy our conversations. Always enjoy your insight. Thanks very much for uh, making the time for our audience. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it.